Welcome to Theology.fm. I am your host, Jeremy Myers. In this episode, Kathy Escobar and Carl Wheeler discuss their experiences in church planting. Specifically, they discuss the eight mistakes they made in their first ten years of pastoral ministry. If you're involved in church leadership, this humorous and insightful discussion will be helpful to you. Also a little bit entertaining. You're probably going to be nodding your head a little bit along with them as they discuss what they did, what happened. Either way, though, I hope you learn from it, no matter what form of church you find yourself in. I know I did even though I am not church planting in the same way they are. Before we listen to what they have to say about this, I want to invite you to get a copy of BibleWorks. If you study the Bible in any way, shape, or form, BibleWorks software is going to be extremely helpful for you in your Bible study. I know it is for me. I've been using it for, oh my, 15 years probably. No, more than that. Close to 20 years, 17 years. I have no clue. My first version, I think, was BibleWorks 4. I don't know how long ago that was. Anyway, if you want to do keyword research study, Greek and Hebrew, parsing, sentence diagram, anything like that, just having a concordance. Boy, they have, I don't know, like 250 Bible translations, all of the major English ones. So if you just want a really good concordance software study tool, BibleWorks is the tool for you. Works for PC and Mac. Just go to theology.fm slash BibleWorks. That will take you to the link online that I found at the cheapest. You get free shipping that way also. Theology.fm BibleWorks. Uh, Kathy Escobar is the co-pastor of the Refuge in Denver along with Carl Wheeler. Although, having said that, I just listened to a podcast episode recently where he has resigned over the issue of gay marriage, which is very interesting because I just played a podcast episode, I don't know, three or four ago, about their unity on the issue of gay marriage. So um, anyway, we will watch that, see what happens with that. It's going to be very interesting. They will keep you updated through their Faith Circus podcast. Make sure you subscribe to that on iTunes. Uh, Kathy's books, Down We Go and Faith Shift, have been helpful and influential for me in my own journey. And, um, well, Carl, I'm not quite sure what his role is going to be going forward. It's going to be very interesting. I hope he sticks around in the refuge there in Denver, some sort of role, but uh, we'll have to watch and see that as it develops. The two of them agree on a lot of things, but they also agree on other things, and uh, gay marriage apparently was one of them. Anyway, going to create some lively conversations between them as they go forward. But I love this discussion here as they talk about the eight mistakes they made together in their first 10 years of pastoral ministry and co-pastoring the church. So uh, join me for this conversation. You can go to see the show notes for this, by the way, theology.fm slash Kathy Escobar slash 25. That's where you can see the show notes, see the link to BibleWorks and also the links to Kathy's books. So with all of that out of the way, let's tune in to Kathy Escobar and Carl Wheeler as they discuss the eight mistakes they made and eight ways to shrink a church. Well, welcome back to Faith Circus. I'm Kathy Escobar, and I'm here with my friend Carl Wheeler, and these are... Big Tent High Wire Conversations about faith, church, and life with Adonette. 
and the occasional elephant in the room. And, he, and we might have some elephants today. <laughs> it's We're possible. inviting them in. Um, about, gosh, almost nine years ago, Kathy and I wrote a little piece together called Eight Ways to Shrink a Church. We have found something we are really good at. And we have tried to get on the conference circuit. And no one hires And nobody hires us. They know how to shrink a church. But they're always complaining about their church is too big and is growing too fast. And we know how to fix this problem. We have dialed this in. So if you are interested in knowing how to shrink a church, we've got it for you today. <laughs> we totally do. Um, and here, so we're just going to walk through some of them. And it'll be fun. It'll actually be fun for us to come back to this thing that um, we wrote a long time ago. Here's the first one. Shoot the sheriff. And what we mean by that, and I love coming back to this as many years later, is it is embedded in us that you cannot have one person at the top. Mm -hmm. And that when you do, um, you will grow. You will be more efficient. You can make people follow you. You can do all kinds of things that I truly don't believe are the ways of the kingdom. I think that there are, it, it's not embodying the way it could be. And there's something so powerful. And I attribute so much of that to you, Carl, because I didn't even know what co-pastor was. I had never once seen a model anywhere in any church experience where there was not one person at the top until you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's for me, man, I have... Yeah, this is the one I've clinged to the longest in my Christian journey in terms of feeling out of place with sort of mainstream church. And I do remember, maybe even back to high school, this idea that, um, man, this structure where it seemed to me the structure was Jesus at the top and then us. <laughs> and, and and there's different things that people do. So I, I believe really strongly in leadership and, and I don't care about titles anymore, you know, senior path. It doesn't matter, but how you live that out where you, where you believe like there's this ladder getting to Jesus <laughs> that is somehow um, looks like a, a pyramid, I really think is very, very dangerous. And, and I just go, this looks like what businesses look like. And that can't be what the Church of Jesus is supposed to look like. And noticing that Jesus was empowering people that normally wouldn't be empowered, and they were fully, fully equipped and empowered. And in his day, women and and fishermen and and, right. and guys that had gotten passed over lots and lots of times. So anyhow, yeah. So that's what we mean by shoot the sheriff is that leadership and church has to be a we are in this together. That's our that's our thing. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and that's all that we, I hope maybe at Faith Circus we can have some more conversations about yeah, I think we shared will. leadership because it is a sure way actually to not grow something big in the same way, but it is such a better reflection, in my opinion, of what could be. And, and what you, I think what you mean by that, Kathy, is that there are times when we and I, you and I, or not just you and I, a bigger team than us, we have to collaborate to come to a better decision than you just going, well, I'm the pastor and I'm going to, this is what we're going to do. Right. Either get on or get off. You know, we've heard <laughs> yeah. that, you know, there's kind right. of that language. And so, anyhow, that's what we, we strongly advocate for that. Another part of our call, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, so the second one. Yeah. That oh, will, That yeah. will really, that can really help you stay small <laughs> if you're really worried. It's just, just... Start being as honest as you can. Just and tell the truth. Just tell the truth, <laughs> and you will you will notice there will be there will be a 
<laughs> a correlation between the truth telling and the shrinking numbers. And, and that's just our that's just our reality. We right. like heroes. Yeah. We do like our heroes. We don't like leaders who wonder and doubt. We don't like leaders who don't know, <laughs> who are uncertain. It is so true. People yeah. just don't. And you can kind of like, that's why some pastors that, that lead sort of big, big things, a lot of times they're telling stories from a long time ago. Right. You can tell stories of failure as long as they've been resolved. Right. And there is a long time difference and between And people them. eat that up, actually. Oh, yeah. oh, they love it. Especially like right now where, you know, people like vulnerability a little yeah. more. But the truth is... That's not really the truth of today. Yeah. And that if um, when leaders are just show up all the way and tell the truth, it, it, it can be really unsettling. And I remember at the Refuge Zone, this is one of the reasons why I love our community so much and why I'm so grateful for you, Carl, because this was huge. Early on, you were in a really hard spot, and it was a Sunday night. And you took Ambie. All right, here's the story. Here's the story that lives in the legends of the refuge. So I was str- I was having. I had. A, I honestly had a panic attack, which is weird. I used to speak to big audiences, huge audience, and there was. And I was. It was my turn to teach that that Sunday night at the refuge, and I bet you there weren't going to be seventy five people there, but I was having a full on, full blown panic attack. And I had, when I was traveling and doing stuff, I, my doctor had given me Ambien. So I just, and I thought, hey, I had this great idea. I bet you an Ambien would kind of just chill me out. At 3 o'clock. At 3 o'clock. <laughs> and, and we started at 5 or 5.30. And, and then I had this even better idea that if one Ambien was good, I bet two Ambien <laughs> would be fantastic. And so I took two Ambien at about 3 or 3.30. I do remember, I can recall driving to to church. It was about, you know, six, seven miles from my house. And I had to close one eye. Do you, you remember this? <laughs> I had to close one eye because there was there was eight lanes of traffic. Wow, so, it's horrible. This is, a, it this is, is horrible. horrible. People do not do this. Okay, I'll let you pick it up <laughs> no, from there. So really quick because we don't have a ton of time. Um, but I will say that... Carl was um, not doing well when he did arrive. <laughs> and so people were, people said, something's wrong with Carl. <laughs> not quite right. And so, I kept falling asleep. <laughs> and he had a beanie on and he's like laying on, he's laying on the um, table and he was supposed to preach. And this is when we were kind of had a little more, it was a little bigger and there was a little more preachy. And so it was kind of a bigger deal. Like, it, it was just a really important, actually, that somebody did that that night. And Carl, I talked to him. He's like, no, I'll be okay. Let's, let me rest. Let me rest. Let me rest. And so um, he got up. And the truth is, <laughs> he should not have been in front of one person, let alone seven. It wasn't like, wasn't I supposed to pray for somebody? And I fell asleep during the prayer. So, and my, I remember April coming up, and she was so pissed. This is my wife. April's oh. my wife. And is so mad and just starts yanking me out of church, dragging me out. No, she was sitting. The backstory is me, her, and Jose, who's my husband, were all sitting there, and we're like, we have to do something. <laughs> We have to do something. And so that's what we decided to do. And so April goes, I will go up and I will take him out and take him home. And I said, I will take care of it. I'll take care of the message. And so I just went up and was honest. 
And it was really awkward, Carl. You were gone. <laughs> you didn't care. But it was really awkward. And I just said, you know, Carl's not in a good spot tonight. And I'm just going to, we're going to, we're going to punt. And the refuge were really good at punting, which is a way to shrink a church, actually. Sure. When you're not super programmed and you adjust and uh, you just, it freaks people out on one level. Um, but what was so beautiful about that to me, that story. So there's a lot of things that go into what happened after in that, you know, we went over and talked to April and we were like, what do we do about this? The next morning when you woke up, (laughs) we got together, a few of us got together. And I'll always remember this moment because um, the question came up, what do we do? And one of the things that you said is, you know, I've got to work on this anxiety thing and I'm committed to doing some work around that finding some people to help me sort it out and you know we you had our full support but what do we do about our community and I came from communities where you would have pretended that didn't happen and the pastor would have gotten fired laid off temporarily well he would have he had the flu yeah or something 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 some weird story yeah and I always remember this he said we just tell everybody what happened yeah just tell the truth and um, and that's what you did the next week. And you came and just said, here's what happened. And here's why. And you know what? I know so many people that was so healing for. Um, and for me, just in leadership, as like doing this together, not being in a community that would hide. It would hide. Try and juke and jive. Try and cover it up. Try and manage, quote unquote, manage it. But actually just... Well, imagine that. You just tell the truth. Yeah. And, um, and But I guarantee you that in a traditional, um, a lot of communities that have a culture set up that wants to quote-unquote grow, that wants to put their leader, one leader, going back to number one, on a pedestal in some way, it, it's not a recipe for growth. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. A spectacular, epic belly flop. <laughs> <laughs> but, it is one of but, the but you know what? But, and then you go, but you know, there's you survive them. You do. You survive them, and yeah. actually, it, it that has not been as I I can't say to this day. I have never once again abused Ambien. I don't believe <laughs> I've abused alcohol, <laughs> but not Ambien. Right, and yeah. that was the same story though. Mm-hmm. Like even you know, getting sober in a community yep. is telling the truth, yep. and that really kind of goes in some ways with the third one. But I think it's a little different, and that is. A sure way to shrink a church is to really, truly embrace brokenness. And honestly, everyone talks about that. That is, I don't think that that's unique mm-hmm. in any way. We all um, talk about, you know, we want to love people where they are and all that. I mean, I think to really, to really live this out, you have to like all the way embrace it. Not the neat and tidy story, not fast results, but to just honor that we're all human beings really trying to make it through the day. Yeah. You know, it's interesting since we wrote that so long ago, I've noticed that there is, I, 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 I would probably amend that a little bit and that it, it takes all the stories that you can, I, for many years, I think I moved over into what I would, I would consider myself cynical almost that all healing takes 30 years. And I was not very interested in somebody's sort of victorious moment. Mm. And but I had spent my early part of my Christian life only interested, you know, that healing always happens within a couple of weeks, you know, at the most. Right. You know, you're just That's getting <laughs> Yeah, you're getting right with God and you're you know, you're doing your devotion, whatever it is. And it and I think primarily God's miracles happen over long periods of time. I think that's how he set it up. And I think they are 
as much a miracle. But now I, I feel like I'm less, that brokenness means I'm not controlling how it it's going to go. Yeah. That, and, right. and, and rejoicing for the possibility that for some people it can go very quickly. And that's not a better or worse. It, it, it's all miraculous. But I think the part that is so important is honoring that it's real. That's right. Honoring Absolutely. that it's just real. That's right. And that what's just as real, I mean, you made me think of it as you were talking, is that what's just as real is our wholeness. Yeah. You know, it's just as real and that both exist. Um, that's see. I think that's the that's maybe a better way to say it is they coexist, and that's what we didn't. That's probably what we didn't used to know. Mm-hmm. It was either you were victorious, or you were broken, and now the reality is you can be both. Yeah, <laughs> you right. can, they we can, are. We are both. We coexist as more complicated than that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's it. So embracing that piece, I like that. The um, the other one, the fourth one, and I think this is so important, and we use the word, and it's strong, it's strong words, but I think it's worth it, is demand equality. And, um, and so to do that, to really go, we are going to um, model, live, honor, value, do, <laughs> equal. Not just men and women, but I always say that's a place to start. It is a place to start because if you can work on that, if you can kind of work on 50%, then you can start working in some other areas. Um, but you can't just, ex- it, it really won't come naturally is what I think the language is. And I think that so many churches um, like are just waiting on the slow burn on it and don't realize that it is not going, it won't just happen naturally. Naturally, it won't. It, it does require really intentional and going, we will not do it another way. Well, and I, no question. And, and, and be really careful. You're not hearing us say sameness. Sameness is the curse. And, 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 and it's this weird, people, people I, I, I sort of, I've been accused of saying that, are you, you're just saying men and women are the same. I don't. No two people are the same, much less men and women. The, the, the beauty of God's design, it seems to me, is that it's not anything to do with sameness. That's what makes equality such a Christian value and such a beautiful experience. And I would, so I would say, too, men, start with men and women and then really think hard about economics. And, you know, and this is from you friends that are in suburban churches, do you have somebody, you may not have access and, and there may not be people of color in your community. Um, and if there are, of course we want to reflect that. But I'm telling you, I know there are poor people in your community. There are yeah. people that are not successful, what the world would say successful in terms of business or finance. But they can be your elders. Right. They can be leaders. And that's that's one that... Man, if you can get women and if you can get poor people on your board, it will change your church. And you'll get smaller, <laughs> possibly. Uh, yeah, yeah, right away. And, I mean, anything, too, related to color is really important. Yeah, it's just where we live is a little bit yeah. wacky. But one of the things I do love about the refuge is that we have teams that lead our community and our leaders in this community and wise voices in all those that would never, ever in a million years be on an elder board and that is to me a travesty because they just bring so much our friends bring so much that you would miss when you're always deferring to power 
and margin. That's just easier. Yeah. And it is easier. Yeah, absolutely. For it's sure. It's important. For um, sure. Well, and again, we, it almost feels like one rolls into the next because our next one is the defer to the least of these. And, uh, you know, I was thinking of an example for us. This is one way it works out for us is um, things that cost money. So you, you can, you, you know, everybody has some, you got to make your own decisions and draw your own lines. But for us, something really cool that could come to our church and it only costs $75 a person. And there's a few people in our community that, that would be great, and we could. It would be so fun, but there's so many of us that can't that, that couldn't do seventy five dollars, right? And so we have to say no to those. Yeah, that is so true. I love that. I mean, twenty dollars is stretch yeah. for some, and that's one of the things that I have loved is that we have always, over the years, just pretty much made everything accessible. Mm-hmm. And there's a cost to it, yep. um, but it's worth it. Yeah. In the end, and I think another story that makes me, you know, we're kind of in. Um, going back towards memory lane of the last years, 10 years. And I, I always will remember this, that Carl and I were meeting with um, a leader in, in Denver. And this is in Down We Go To, so this is a public story. But it was significant because we were talking about how to um, nurture the refuge. And, you know, it was kind of like checking in. We were new. We were in our first six months. And this person's advice was, you know, you really need to find you have to make people cut their sales from the old church. Like, they can't be doing both, because that happens in church mm-hmm. communities. And then second is find some studs. <laughs> this language is so hard for me. Find some studs. Surround yourself with the, some studs. And then they will bring the right people. See, because the studs um, are the strong ones that basically will... Um, and you know have what? Have other strong stuff. And you know what? They're right. <laughs> They're 100% right. They're right. And I remember one is I was, it was really hard for me. It was a really painful conversation. And I it just, just think about studs is hard enough. But we're just talking about find the pretty and the powerful and the strong. That's what he's saying. Find them mm-hmm. because they will bring more of those people. And I remember um, him leaving and Carl and I sitting there and just said, you know, we, and we said it there too. We said, you know what, if we did that, some of our friends, they're out. They're completely out. They will knock them out. And right now they're equal part of everything. I think of Bill and Sarah because they were like a big part of that at the very beginning. And you know what, my friends, Bill and Sarah, um, were supposed to be here. And to have a place where they could just be and studs would move them to the back. They'd say they make those people, make people uncomfortable. They will. And it's okay for me to say this because we've all talked about this together as friends over all these years. Um, you know, uh, you need you need people not to be talking in church. You're not allowed to do that. You know, that makes people, uh, you know, you need to have not weird people at the door. You need to have pretty powerful, popular people at the door. And um, that is a significant decision that um, is, I'm so glad we made. Well, I could never do it a different way. Well, and, you know, it's interesting. We've, we've talked about this in other places. And it's, I don't, it's, it's not on here, but it's that um, uh, embracing mediocrity, letting yeah. mediocrity lead you. And what right. we mean by that is the average, just average people are rarely seen. Average people are rarely seen, I think, in large church in our experience because Kathy and I came from a mega church you didn't see average people you saw spectacular people people sort of that had an ultra talent in some in some way 
And that's not a very healthy reflection of what it means to be a community. And I, I'm, I don't even like the language because it's everybody has such value. But one way to phrase it is to embrace mediocrity. So that was a that was a freebie. Well, do the next one, Kathy. Well, I think the next one is just that if you are really, it's be generous as a community. And so that means this is, is a sure way to shrink because you don't hoard your resources no matter what it is. And so the generosity isn't actually just about money. It's about people, too. Um, and so it's like we're a hub here for a lot of people that do work outside of here and live in other places and do other things that, like, the, the quote-unquote refuge doesn't benefit. Right. But the wider world does and our friends do. And so to me, there's – and that's a different – that's a flip on what you normally do because normally you kind of, like – you, you bring people to you, and then you nurture and put your arms around it and say, these are our resources. Mm-hmm. These are our resources, and we're really not going to share them. And so um, I think that that is one piece of generosity that is really missing in a lot of communities. Because yeah. no, when actually okay. when you give up, then some of your, honestly, some of your really strong, strong leaders do a stuff outside of your community that don't have anything to do with growing what's happening in here, but it's amazing what's growing in other places. Yeah, that idea of oh, just being open-handed. So it, it it's not just a money issue. I like that. It's a people thing. Let let people speak. Are you sure? <laughs> I'm 100% <laughs> sure. But well, that's right. All right, this is how to shrink a church. Oh, I'm sorry. This is actually out of all of them almost, other than number one, um, could be. The one that is so church shrinky. Okay, so when you say that, if we're looking back over 10 years and, and our friends that have been honest and said, hey, I'm leaving, I can't take it, do you think that's the one that I, maybe is the most? I think it's one of them. Yeah. I do. I think it's pretty high up, like coming into where anybody can talk and anybody can share because we're all here and we're all trying and we all have something to bring and sometimes what somebody has to bring is not really it makes me uncomfortable and we don't fix it and we don't correct it and we don't like put it in yeah, just so you get a taste like most of the time i mean there's usually somebody leading or teaching or you know whatever might be happening that doesn't always happen but let's say we're kind of teaching the bible or something but almost always there's a conversational component to that experience um, or a reflection, like a reflection kind of experience. And that's, that's where I think there's a piece of that that we're talking about. So there's in the moment. But then there's also outside of the uh, sort of an event, but just into the life of your community. Who has the authority to speak into what's going to happen? Right. And what are we going to do with our resources, our time, or you know, whatever decision you're trying to make. And so I think just, uh, it, it hits on both of those for me. And both of those can be troubling. Yeah, because if you think about it, in the places that I always was in, there really was a separation between leadership and staff and, quote unquote, the body. And they really, you might have gotten a little input, but ultimately it was all, the power was all in one place. And so same with the speaker, whoever has the microphone controls whatever happens and I know I know this because so many people have said we are way too scared to open it up um and then once you taste it though 
once you taste what it's like for people during um, a, a conversation, you're processing something from the Bible, you're like sharing something about spiritual things and people share, it's amazing. Yeah. And there's a mix here. I mean, that's the part I love. There's uh, people are all over the place, but every single thing that comes out of somebody is comes from a sincerity. Yeah. Well, it's not always amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I like it more than Carl. Well, you know, no, <laughs> it, it, there, but it's what's I will always say what's amazing is that they got to say it. That's what I mean. I will say that. So yeah, the actual the, the actual content Kathy, doesn't matter. Come on. Sometimes you get the <laughs> soliloquy. And I'm just dying. And I, I'm dying too. But I will say, yeah, I'll I, look and go, this is amazing is. that there is a place is. that lets people speak. And I might put a little slash by there related to the mediocrity part is that um, because we should do a podcast just on Jesus and excellence. We got to do that. Mm-hmm. that I want to talk about that. Because always when I talk about Jesus not being excellent, there's always somebody that goes, but he says, you know, we need to be. In some way, because we want to bring our perfect gifts. That's another story. But uh, the slash on let people speak is let people just be them. And most of us are just ordinary people. And when you do, when you let people just be people, um, you don't get that feeling of comfort and awesomeness and kingness and inspiration that a lot of us are used to. Well, and we, we've gathered together. We're a, we're a ragamuffin group of people that are... Often, a lot of us will self-identify as socially awkward or mental health, mental health issues, and that that comes out in not 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 always the smoothest experience for everybody. But that's the that's what you want. That's the beauty of everybody. Right. And here's what I think is so true. See, people think there's more of that population here at the refuge. No, right. That is not true. I agree. It's just. No one, they're everywhere in every group because we're humans, but there's usually not a place for it to be heard. So it's hidden, which is worse because there's nothing better than kind of being able to be fully you and um, be known. Well, and, that, and you know, I'll say one more thing because it does relate to the inner angst of a question that you feel like is out of bounds. That happens. That's that's part of the universal church story right now. I think, at least in the American culture, is people who are dying on the vine. We would say they're in they're in this community, and they want to say out loud, "I'm not buying this," or "I this scares me," or "I don't I don't know." And the rules about saying certain things are pretty can be they're unwritten rules, but they can be pretty severe. And people have intuited that, and it I think is part of this epidemic of people. Going either feeling I can't do church because church is a place I have to conform. That's right. Yeah. Yep. And I can't say I what's can't. inside out right. if I do. And they're probably right. Yeah. And so, but when you open the floor in any way, shape, or form, in all the forms that we just said, you um, you probably aren't going to get some of what you get when you control. Because it's actually, ultimately, that's just letting go of control. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a beautiful thing, but there's a consequence. And it kind of leads into the last one that we have, and it would be fun for you guys to even add some that you would maybe put, but I think it's a huge one, and that is that you have to be willing to let some people go. Right. Yeah, and you and good people, honestly, good people that that will want to, in their in, probably in a sincere place, sort of want to tweak your culture. If you just were a little bit, if you're just a little bit more accommodating to blank, and 
you know, for our culture, we have a sense of, of what that, you know, who we're gathering together. And there's nobody who can't come for sure. We would love everybody. But we're going to try, if you're going to defer to the least of these, you're going to say they kind of get, you make it easier for them, then you're going to make it somebody who has a lot of margin in their life or who can go anywhere to church. You're going to make it easier for those. And sometimes folks are just wanting you to make it a little easier, right. just a little compromise. And those compromises, honestly, this is how I feel. I mean, and I'm probably a little on the crazy train in terms of like, I can't let this one go. Is that when you, once you do that, you, it's a snowball effect hmm. related to margin and resource because we are drawn to it. And so if you rely on it, then you just keep making accommodations and those accommodations will always squeeze people. And it's, I'm not just talking about, you know, awkward, social awkwardness or poverty or something. It'll always squeeze out what's uncomfortable, what's hard to hear, what's real. It will always, it won't mean to, but I really think it does. Yeah, I do. And then the other thing I put on, let some people go is that, um, people's faith shifts. You know, I mean, we throw that around and that's an important um, term to me, but it is really true. Like you'll have to just be willing to go. It's okay. This, we couldn't take care of all of that, or you just need to go do what you need to do. And to basically not, um, not, I'll just use the same imagery of just putting your arms around it and putting a fence around it. Like you just have to really have really permeable boundaries. Yeah, and you know what? We this goes back to our kind of our conversation last week about our partners and friends. You know, there are churches that I can now go. Hey, I don't think we're the right place for you. Hearing what you're saying, but my friends over here, they do that really well. Or this church, which is really liturgical, and or this church, which is really has a lot of smoke and fire. You know, whatever it is, there. I, I also can own that that it's it's not a bad thing. Like somebody leaving my community or leaving community is not necessarily a bad thing. It's, it's just not a good fit. Doesn't mean we're wrong or they're wrong. Right. Yeah, but that means that you have to give total freedom. That's right. And that's actually what total freedom, because there's lots of people that need to just be away from everything for a while. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that, and that is contrary to growing something. Mm-hmm. to actually give that much freedom yeah, and to let go. Like I can just picture, like you just have to like unclench your hands and let go. Okay, so... Alrighty, eight there, ways to shrink your church. Well, you can hire us anytime. I think we had 10. There's probably 10. There. All right. And I'm sure that um, there's other ones, but the truth is you can hire us anytime to come help you yeah. do these things. Yeah. If you're having parking problems, we're your solution. How's that for a tagline? <laughs> we can open up your parking place. <laughs> That's right. All right, faithcircus.org. We'd like to see you online if we could. Yeah, thanks for listening. heard something useful in there, beneficial for your own ministry, whether you pastor a traditional church or maybe you're involved in some sort of a house church, or just operate in a daily relational focused form of church like I do. If you want to add another way to shrink a church from your own experience, go to the show notes for this episode. They're found at theology.fm slash Kathy Escobar slash 25. 
That's where the show notes are, links to Kathy's books, links to her blog and her podcast. Also, the link there for Bible Works, if that's something you're interested in checking out. Link is found to Bible Works there as well. So until next time, keep thinking, and may your life and theology continue to look more and more like Jesus Christ.